he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Ha <laughs> ha! Welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith, Cerritos, California, with a goat, GB. Greg Biggins, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm trying to catch up on some of this Sean Miller University of Arizona stuff oh, right now. Man, how creepy and how crazy has that been? We'll talk a little bit about yeah. that, GB. Uh, glad to have you here. Glad to have everybody joining us here on the Transparent Truth. Got some really good things lined up for you. Got a new sleeper a week out of modern day. We have uh, some recruiting nuggets with GB. We also are going to talk a little bit Under Armour All-American Camp. And we'll be recapping Pylon 707 out of, is it Mesquite, Nevada? Mesquite, Nevada. Mesquite, Nevada with our guy. Yeah. B. Huff, Brandon Huffman. 247 Sports. So, uh, you know, get get yourself, sit back, and, you know, take a little ride with us. We're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. Uh, GB, you got some recruiting nuggets for us? Let's hit it right off the top. Yeah, some, some recruiting notes. Uh, so, a lot of offers are going out left and right. Uh, a guy that we'll have on our show on Friday, Ryan Helensky. Uh, offers are flying in for him. Uh, he just visited. Check this out in one week. He went to Georgia. He went to South Carolina. He went to Ole Miss, NC State, Duke, I think I'm missing somebody. Tennessee. 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 Tennessee's the ones where they didn't offer him, so I kind of just wiped them from my mind. Kind of get, get real <laughs> yeah, with get our guy at UT. Right. We're not going to offer him, and let's not waste our time. Yeah. Arizona just offered him last night, um, which was actually Monday because we're taping on Tuesday. Sure. We've got to throw that, throw that out there. Kind of starting now here a little bit from SC and UCLA. He's going to visit Oregon. Also wants to visit Boise State. Uh, Jackson Turner, love this kid. DB from Rancho Verde. ASU offered him. ASU also offered Trent McDuffie from St. John Bosco. And ASU also offered Drake Jackson, who I saw at the end of camp and looked really good. Drake told me that he has three dream schools. That's interesting. I never had that before. Yeah. thought that was a little bit weird. Usually you have one dream school. It's like you have your dream girl. You don't have three. That's very interesting. But Drake played well, so if he wants to have three, he can. Sure. And he's 260, so he can say whatever he wants. But USC, Oregon, and UCLA are his three dream schools, which makes it even more weird because most people don't like USC and UCLA. You like one or the other. Sure. But USC and Oregon have offered him. UCLA has not. He likes Utah quite a bit as well. Our guy Chris Steele has four of his official visits now locked in. Florida, Oklahoma, LSU, and Louisville. Louisville was the one that was kind of eyebrow raising, but he really likes that staff and connects well with them. He's got one more visit to take. He's looking at Texas or Texas A&M, Alabama, Michigan. I think he told me September 27th is going to be his commitment date. Wow. Chris Steele is going to get this done early. Really early. Yeah, absolutely. Enoch Vimehe, Hawaii offensive lineman, older brother, goes to Utah. Uh, he picked up offers this week from Nebraska and Notre Dame. Jaden Daniels landed Ohio State, the Ohio State and Penn State. Big Darren Jones, his teammate, landed Florida. Jonathan Perk, Jay Perk, landed Jay LSU. Perk. How about this? LSU and Auburn, back-to-back. That's not bad. SEC West. A couple SEC schools. He just visited Oklahoma. He told me he loved it there. In fact, I would not be surprised if the Sooners are the team to beat right now. How about Mikhail Wright? How about these three blue blood? Do you call football teams blue, blue bloods? bloods? I know absolutely. basketball is kind of yeah, a term. Absolutely. How about Alabama, Michigan, and Texas? I mean, as, you can't get any more prestige. You can't get that. any more blue blood than no. that. I think everyone knows all three of those schools. Absolutely. So Mikhail Wright, uh, who was tremendous again at the Under Armour event. Uh, Mananoa Tufona, Hawaii linebacker, landed an offer from Tennessee. So Tennessee's making a, a lot of noise out here. Jason Rodriguez, Oak Hill's offensive lineman. Uh, he was probably my, uh, my top guy at the Under Armour camp. He landed a, an offer from USC the day before the camp. So he was ready to go. And then uh, Fatui Tuatelli, who was out there as a 295-pound D-tackle catching passes at the Pylon event. Huff, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But he's got visits planned to LSU, Oklahoma, and Texas next month. And he's going to visit Alabama and Ohio State in April. Also, Jude Wolf landed LSU last night. He looked great. Had a really good offseason. I'm really happy for Jude. And then uh, Savelle Smalls from Washington, uh, maybe the top player in the 2020 class, also picked up an offer from LSU. Lots more, but 
I just feel like stopping right there just because. When you're a GB, you GB, you can stop, stop right whenever you want to stop, man. It's, it's your world. We're just a squirrel trying to get a nut. So we kind of want to move along. Um, just to kind of retouch on that real quick, GB. I read something earlier. They got Brian Breeze out in Maryland. Somebody has him rated the top player in 2020. Hmm. Um, I've I'm not, not seen him. I think that's at ESPN. I, I saw him, actually. I saw him last year at the Under Armour camp when he was in the ninth grade. Yeah. Good football player. Like a future 50 type of deal? No, no, no. It was at the Under Armour All-American camp. Oh, okay. Uh, last year in the DMV area. Yeah. Uh, he was there. Good player. About 6'2 yeah. and a half, maybe close to 6'3. Um, aggressive, active kid. Yeah. But I was thinking about it, man. I said... <sighs> We got about four or five guys out here just in SoCal who are willing to challenge for that 2020 top spot. And I know we got a kid up in the Pacific Northwest by the nickname of Biggie. Yeah. That can definitely challenge for that top 2020 spot. So, Brian Breeze, you better cool your jets <laughs> before I sick my dogs on you. But 2020 uh, group out West. It's really strange. Bryce Young, DJ, Rick, Justin Flo, Justin Flo, um, Johnny Wilson. Come on, man. I mean, those are all top Come on, man. 15 guys. Those are all top at least 15 guys. I, mean, I was going to say I'm top 10. Make a case that <laughs> the West is going to have five guys in the top 15. That's usually, no that's question. usually in the South. You, the South gets to load up on those guys. No. But no, with Smalls and Flo, DJ, Wilson, Johnny Wilson, Bryce. Bryce. Yeah. It's Ricks. Not, Don't forget bad. Ricks. I love Elias Ricks. He could be the top corner in the class. Exactly. So, so yep. 2020 is loaded. So, again, Breeze, cool your jets, man, before I got to get these boys on you. But anyway, GB, we got to get to our sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our Sleeper Week presented by Sit and Sleep. GB, you got a guy for us. We got a guy who goes to a, plays at a program that doesn't get much attention. So I kind of wanted to bring some notoriety because at the school he's at, people don't really talk about them much. Kind of an underrated school. Yeah, under the radar. Under the radar. It's, you, there's that saying, doesn't matter where you play, they'll find you. I hope that's the case with this guy. Sure. Talk about a guy who goes to you know, modern-day high school. Um, <laughs> again, kind of under the beaten path. But how about Ty Marks? Ty Marks. He is a sleeper because he didn't even start last year for modern day's generational offensive line, but he's going to start this year. He is a sophomore. He'll be a junior next year. And uh, he's a guy everyone knows about Miles Moreo already. Miles is a stud. He started last year at right tackle, be the left tackle this year. But Ty Marks, I think, could play guard or center. I'm hearing he might be the center. Looked really good at the Under Armour camp. Yeah. Really good. He's uh, and obviously you go to modern day, you get great coaching, and uh, he also works out with Giants Gill. So the guy's technique, he's so sound, he's strong and physical. Yeah. Big, thick kid. I mean, he's beefy. Yeah. Right. Big waist, just big. Yeah. You can't bull rush the guy. Yeah. Real light on his feet, man. The guy's just tap dancing out there. Great camp. So Ty Marks is this week's sleeper of the week. You will not see him on film because he didn't have a lot of it. But you gotta you wanna go by. Modern day in the spring, I think you're going to like tie marks. Well, I mean, this is the reason why we have camps, right? This is the reason why you Absolutely. have camps, why you have combines. Those kids who are, A, waiting behind a senior, uh, waiting their turn, sitting behind a guy, or, B, played lower-level JV or freshman, this is their opportunity, their offseason to shine, get themselves in front of evaluators, in front of recruiting services, and put a stamp on what is their soon-to-be sophomore or junior or senior year and ready to come out and make plays in camps, be noticed. And a guy like Greg Biggins takes note and become a sleeper a week. Next thing you know, you get your first offer. So congratulations to Ty Marks. Again, uh, low-profile school over there in Santa <laughs> Ana. Uh, but again, well-deserved as he put on a very nice show at the Under Armour All-American Cap. Speaking 
which is a great segue, yeah. the Under Armour All-American Cap GB. You had a chance to attend. I didn't. Uh, saw a lot of video, read a lot of articles. Our guy, Bud Elliott at SB Nation, did a really good article, read some of your stuff. Um, go ahead. Why don't you go get a start? How was the camp first? Uh, in terms of logistics and yeah. how it was ran, and then let's talk about the prospects. I mean, it, it's it's a logistically it's phenomenal, and I'm always going to be a student sports guy, Nike camp guy, Nike Open and Regional guy. But you know, it's 500 kids. Yeah. And the reason why the camp's 500 kids is the reason you, why you just said about you know, it's always been about creating opportunities for kids. Sure. And that's why the camp goes from 250 to also okay, let's get this kid a chance. Under Armour, it was 150. Yeah. Which is probably closer to 125, and they're all legit guys. And it's, it's one field, Mission Bay High School, really, really, you know, nice setup there. My guy Chad Johnson over there is going to be the new guy. Got to see Chad. So it's just really easy to evaluate and watch and sure. a lot of one-on-ones and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, my top guy of the day was, uh, was Jason Rodriguez, an offensive lineman. There's a good group of offensive linemen, which is it's, it's the class of, of the, uh, the O-line class, I thought it was a little bit down out west the last couple of years, at least in Southern California it was, but I saw a good group of offensive linemen. Jason Rodriguez, who I mentioned got an offer from USC the day before, but uh, big, strong, physical kid, 6'6", probably all of 6'6", 320. Yeah. Has a guard-type body, but he's long, so he can either lean out and stay at tackle. He played left tackle. I probably see him as a right tackle in college, or like I said, as a guard, but sound technique, really tough. Plays through the whistle. Got a little bit of nasty in him. Yeah. Um, you got to have feet to play, and he, he can move, finishes. So he was a guy who I liked a lot, and I think his recruitment's going to really go up. Again, USC offered him the day before the camp, took an unofficial visit there. Already had Oregon, uh, Cal, Colorado, but I think he's a national-level guy. I could see schools like LSU, sure, like Texas, like Alabama, Michigan. Those schools, once they, once they see him, he checks off all the boxes for sure. Right. Yeah. I got a call about him from Alabama just yesterday morning, actually. Um, so I know that they're right now they're hot on his trails. Was Jonah Tuanu from Narbonne? Yeah. So I liked him. Yeah, so Jason Rodriguez, um, when he kind of blew up at the Under Armour camp, I went back, looked at his film, kind of got a chance to get re-familiarized with his game, his abilities, his talent. Then I looked at Jonah Tuanu mm-hmm. Tawanu. Tawanu, is yeah. that how you say it? I think so. Uh, from Narbonne. Yeah. And on tape, I like Tawanu better. Uh, I know that Rodriguez put on a performance at the Under Armour All-American Camp, and that sounds phenomenal. On tape, I like Tawanu better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both guys, yeah. national-level recruits, no question about it. Jonah, I think what hurt him was what he, they didn't, he didn't take as many reps and it wasn't his fault. He said they want to get a, a chance to see some other kid because he was standing next to me watching the receivers. I go, Jonah, what are you doing over here? Like you're watching with like you should be over there. He goes, Yeah, they pulled me out and said they want to get more guys reps. But he was really good. Yeah, I, I think the guy is a, is worthy. Both guys, uh, Rodriguez got an invite to the UA All American game. Right. Um, and I thought Jonah easily could have, but overall, I mean, good. Miles Moreo was dominant. I don't, I don't think I saw him get beat. Uh, Maris Talavo from Bosco, great to see him because he missed his whole junior yeah, season. Absolutely, but he was dominant. Um, Nathaniel Kalepo from Washington was really good at tackle. He just got an offer from USC the day before as well. He's a Washington commit, so I don't know how pumped up Coach Pete's going to be about his committed guys taking visits. But overall, really solid, good group of offensive linemen. Donovan West, Alamany, tackle. Yeah, big tackle. I liked him. He was good. Is he more of a right tackle, Greg, yep. than a left tackle? Yep. Yeah, that's what I figured. But no, it sounds like a good group of OLs out there. What about the DLs, GB? D- Drake Jackson was uh, was the top DL for me. I thought it was really good. Uh, best I've ever seen him. I've been watching him since he was a freshman. He's you know, 260 now. I think he was 230 just a couple of years ago. So he's, now he's big. Yeah. Kind of has more of a defined position. I wasn't sure what he was going to be. You know, is he a tweener? Is he going to be big enough to play inside? Maybe not. Outside, is he athletic enough? But now that he, he's 6'4 and he's 260, looks like a really good fit as a, as a 3'4 edge rusher. Or even, I could see him even getting bigger now. And obviously, we know Dennis, the dad. His dad's a big dude, too. So, yeah. But he was punishing guys. I and mean, he wasn't just beating them with one move. He was, he was throwing guys around. He was yeah. doing spin moves. He was just speed rushing. Inside wise, way too, way too athletic. Stephon Wright from Cathedral, one of the guys that actually stayed at Cathedral, Wright had a good camp. Uh, he's up to 275 now. He was 240. Yo, he's funny, so much these guys, bigger. these guys playing defensive end are now playing D tackle. Kicking inside, sure. 
I like Stefan Wright a lot. Uh, Keon Ware Hudson made his kind of first appearance. He missed his whole junior season. He's huge, kid. He's yeah. got to be close to 300. Uh, but, you know, again, he missed all that. So, look good, strong. He's just a strong kid. Just looks like the kind of guy that you want to walk down a, a dark alley with. Man, yeah. he's just mean-looking kid. Yeah, I watched his tape from the camp, Greg. I really was impressed with his ability to move and his flexibility turning corners. That's very rare for a guy 300 pounds to really flip his hips mm-hmm. and get his hips pointed to the quarterback. He was a guy that could do that naturally. That was very, very impressive for me. Again, like you said, Drake Jackson looked like a man amongst boys. Just too big, too fast, too quick, too strong. Um... So, yeah, man, those DLs, they get after it. Drake Jackson kind of leading the charge. I remember seeing him as a freshman saying, this guy's going to be an animal. Mm -hmm. Fast forward three years later, here you go. He's going to have an offer from every program on the West. Uh, excuse me, in the West. Yeah. He's, he may end up a national recruit, Greg. Yeah, no, I think I think so. Another kid I want to mention was a kid named Quabina Watson. Quabina Watson. He's from Edison High School in Fresno. Okay. So... Kind of a hybrid, you know, real lean-looking kid, outside linebacker, defensive end type. But this guy has a really aggressive edge to him. What's his size? I would say he's probably 6'3"-ish. Okay. 6'4", 215, 220. Nice. But uh, it was funny. I was talking to Jonah Tawanua, and he's like, man, what's the deal with this guy? I go, what do you mean? He goes, <laughs> he goes, well, we, we took a rep, and I beat him. The next rep, he comes in and headbutts me under the chin, knocks, knocks us both backward. I go, he's from Fresno, man. They don't mess around in Fresno. Oh, okay. They, they don't. They don't. He got tough. He got, dude. They don't mess around when it comes to Fresno or even you know up up in Northern California, the Vallejo area. Yeah, I remember last yeah. year I talked about with Nate Kenyon. <laughs> yeah. Guy started speaking on Addison. I was like, Nate, what's up with this guy? He's all, he's from you know, he, he's from don't, Vallejo. He's from Vallejo. They don't push and shove in Vallejo. They swing. Right. Our guys out here in SoCal, they push and shove. I don't know about that, GB. I they mean, wait for somebody to get in front of you. You, it, Some guys in SoCal, I'm not co-signing that. But, yeah, I hear, at, I hear what you're saying. At though. most 7-on-7 seven seven yeah, tournaments, yeah, you see no. more woofing. Yeah, they're, out, more, they're at, more Kevin Durant than out, they are out in the uh, hair, yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I get you. Okay, so. But so Cobino Watson, keep your eye on that guy. Cobino He's got Watson. some upside. You know, plays a little bit of tight end, outside linebacker. But uh, Is he a 19 kid? He's a 2019 kid. Okay. And I believe he has an LSU offer. Nice. So they saw something in him, and sure. So uh, good group of DBs. Okay. Who you Mikhail, got? Mikael Wright was my guy. Okay. Um, strong. You know, he's he's thicker than the last time I saw him without pads on, which is last summer. Yeah. But he's kind of got a Darnay Holmes type body step. He's longer. Sure. He's five eleven, but he's got the butt. Yeah. I mean, in the mask in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got the strong backside. Strong, but he's quick, man. He doesn't yeah. get fooled. He doesn't bite. He's patient. Yeah. So he's confident. Yeah. But he can close. He can close. He closes and makes a play on the ball. How comfortable was he with the ball? Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. He didn't he didn't panic. Ne- never, he didn't start never grabbing guys. I didn't see him get beat deep at all. He just he's just smooth. Yeah. Really good. He got invited to the Under Armour All-American game as well. They invited three guys. They invited yeah. uh, him, Rodriguez, and Mace Funa. Yeah. But Mikel was good. Um, our what? guy Max Williams was good. Okay. Um, you know, Size is always going to be the issue with Max, but I mean, he's such a good cover corner. He's always just right there with you. If you're going to catch a ball, you're going to have to you know back shoulder him or just jump over him. Yeah. But his position technique, Clark Phillips, kind of the same way. Clark, probably five eight five nine. Clark t- tried to tell me he's five ten. I love Clark. Clark was not five ten. I'm five ten. I, I had an inch on on him, but Clark, I still love you. Yeah. You're going to call him five nine? What do you think he is? I said he was close to 5'10", but if you say you're 5'10". Hey, most, most people shrink or when they get older. Maybe I'm growing. Maybe if I remeasure myself, I'd be maybe. six feet. Well, listen. 5'9", yeah, 5'9", 5'10", he can ball. Pony's the kid can ball. Yeah. Really physical. I mean, the guy just jacked. Yeah. No question. Sounds like he lives in the weight room. Yeah. And the only way you're going to catch a ball on him again is if you just happen to just jump over him. Yeah. But he's so technically sound, he can get, he can get you know, he's in there. He's right yeah. up in you. Yeah. It's a, you have to play body position. It's like in basketball when you're boxing out for a rebound. The guy can be taller. He can jump higher. But if you're in his body. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard for yeah. him to make a play on the ball. So, no, I definitely get any more DBs that you yeah, want to Jackson kinda... Turner. Kid from Rancho really Verde. intriguing. Yeah. Basketball player. So, he didn't really have much you know, practice. I saw him at the passing down. And he jumped out for me. Yeah. Play safety. Wants to be a corner. He's, a, he's got a basketball body. He's long. Long. Yeah. He's 6'2". Yeah. So, 
He's learning, yeah. but he's got upside off the charts. Chris Adamore from Mayfair. How'd he look? He looks great physically. Sure. He he was working at corner because that's you know that's what safeties do at these events. They don't really you know they have, to have line a up position for safety. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the camp, he's like, man, I got torched. I'm like, I do. I, I saw him doing well. I go, dude, you're out there covering people. He goes, man, I got torched. So he actually shocking to hear a kid who actually has a little bit of uh, self awareness. Sure. But just looking at him physically, yeah. his body and how he yeah. moves around and his fluidity, man, I still love the guy as a prospect. He's a strong safety. He's strong or free. I mean, nowadays, he's like strong and free are kind yeah. of interchangeable. But I thought KJ Trujillo and Titus Toll were both good. Okay. Uh, Titus is playing safety but can cover, and KJ is getting longer, and his body's filling out. He looked good. Uh, those are some of the DBs that jumped out to me. Um, going uh, to the receiver position, you know who really wowed everybody was Tariq Luckett. It was kind of cool to see people kind of seen him, seen him for the first time, kept saying, who is that guy? Yeah. Who is that guy? Tariq's made a, a big jump, and then everybody loves Logan Loya. <laughs> everybody you, loves Logan Loya. Everybody loves Logan Loya. I like it. That should be a show. Wasn't there a show called Everybody Loves Raymond? Raymond, yeah. We should start calling Logan Raymond. Because everybody I, loves him. I like it. You like that? I like that. I'm terrible at nicknames, but no, that, you're that good right there. Hey, Raymond. Because I know Logan listens. Yeah. Logan, for now, you're going to be called Raymond. Yeah. Dude, you know what? I've, I've always kind of said this about Logan. The best route runner, great get off. Guys like Kyle Phillips get off. Yeah. But he's faster than I think even I thought. He was actually running. Because I kept, I would just, I go, watch this guy. Like, I want you to watch this guy and don't look at the, the skin color. Yeah. Just watch him. They're like, dude, this kid's good. I go, yeah, not, not the fastest kid, but watch him. Then I'm watching him run past people, and they're going, you know, he's not slow. No. He actually can move better than we're all giving him credit for. I, I never thought he was slow, but yeah. I didn't think he was slow, but he's got a, he's got a little burst to him, and he's a 2020 guy. He's got a couple years left to go. But before we move on, GB, you touched on something. I just want to touch on it. Touch on it. You said, let's not look at skin cutter. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, I, I'm not politically correct. Yeah, just go so with it. For years and years, it was hard for a black quarterback to get offers. Sure. Um, it's hard for a Polynesian running back to get offers. It's hard for a white wide receiver to get offers. Why? I think the, 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 the what's what I'm looking for? Stigma? The stigma is white receiver, good hands, route runner, can't run. Mm -hmm. Not athletic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, let's, let's be real. You know, if you watch the Olympics and see the 100 meters, you don't see a whole lot of guys that look like me or Logan Loya this, out there, this right? This is true. This so is true. We're not saying something that people are going to be like, oh, you got to be kidding me. No. Uh, Trent Irwin was a record-breaking receiver. You know how many offers he had going into the spring of his junior year? Like two. Yeah. You know, L.A. school, saw him 100 times. It was because, you know, oh, we need a guy who's a little more athletic. We want a guy who's, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the stigma. Sure. If you're a white corner... The question I get asked, well, can he play safety? I get asked that all the time. Wow. You know, can he play safety? Yeah. Well, have you seen him play corner yet? No, I, I, you, you get kind of that backpedaling. Right, right, Well, right. I just wanted to, you know, yeah. it, that's, just the, that's just the reality and the, the way of the world. A, a built-in evaluation. Yeah. Yeah, no. Bucky Brooks had a, if you saw him on Twitter, people were talking about uh, Lamar Jackson. And yeah. someone was saying, yeah, just not sure how well he can process and blah, blah, blah. And Bucky went off. And said, this is a form of racism. You don't even know anything about this kid. And you're saying, you know, how fast can he process? Yeah. You know, it's, would you say that if that was Sam or Josh or Baker? No. It's just, it just that stigma. Sure. So I think if it's a white wide receiver, mm -hmm. can he run? Right. He, if you see him sprint past a guy, um, okay, well, the other guy must have been slow. Yeah. And it's not can he run for a white kid. Yeah. It's just can he run? Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, thanks for touching on that because a lot of a lot of people don't understand GB where all that comes from. Yeah. Uh, they have questions and hopefully what you just said uh, definitely gives them some awareness and alerts them to kind of some of those stigmas that are out there and to really fight back against those. No, and I, I, we're all about fighting back against stigmas, but we're also realist. You know, again, typically, you know, the 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 white receivers are not going to be as fast as the the top end black receiver okay you can watch the olympics yeah it's that built-in white corner black quarterback polynesian running back it, it's hard but so i think that's why if you're logan and you need to be like extra good yeah like trent Irwin could not drop a ball and he, i didn't ever saw him drop a ball he didn't wear gloves yeah. and at every seven on seven tournament he he knew that if he dropped a ball Oh man, I thought he's a white receiver. He's got to catch every single ball. Like he knew that. Yeah. Like he he that was his reality, and he was comfortable in it. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He didn't fight it. He goes, yeah, I'm a white, white receiver. I, I get it. That's why I'm offered by Alabama or Texas or UCLA or USC. I got ASU right now. I'm in Stanford came. But, like, he knew that was his reality. He's performed pretty well in college. I think he had, you know, a catch yeah. in every single yeah. game since, well, like, middle of his freshman year. Yeah. He was the only guy in the history of the opening that was ever double teamed. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to one of the, one of the guys. I think it, I don't know, it might have been Hatch who got him and Brady White together. And he goes, man, he goes, after the first day, he goes, they're doubling him. And then we had one of the coaches say, there's never been a, a receiver that anyone have, had to double at the opening. They had to double Trent because you couldn't cover him. Yeah. So He was really good. He was still, really good. Still is really and ran good. ran 4-6. Yeah. But, you know, He's not his 4-6 didn't look like <laughs> someone else's 4-6, right? Yeah, no, I, I get it. And um, I just, the, the explanation was, I think, spot on. And a lot of people, again, they don't understand that side of it and where that view comes from and hopefully that puts some clarity on it but uh let's just kind of move along gb still yeah talking, so, so yeah, Logan, we're talking receivers uh, Tariq Lockett was good man he was he's he's kind of a funny kid you know it's uh him and Braden Huffman Dixon are both they're kind of like and I mean this in a good way they're both kind of goofy yeah you know Huffman Dixon is never serious but when the when they go out and take their rep yeah they're really polished they did the drills right and then they go and they kind of just are silly in the sidelines. And you're kind of wondering if they're paying attention. And they go take their rep. And, like, Tariq Luckett was just really good in terms of just, man, he's got really good feet. Yeah. Uh, good length. He catches the ball with his hands. He can run. Huffman Dixon, long, lean, athletic kid. Both yeah. 2019s. They're a little similar in their games? A little similar. I think Huffman Dixon's a little bit longer. Okay. Um I think Luckett might have a little bit better burst, a little short area quickness that I was seeing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Huffman Dixon might be a little more of a long strider, whereas Luckett might have a little little quicker feet to him. But they're close. They're very close together. So yeah. I think there are some similarities there. Uh, Chad Johnson, speaking of feet, Chad Johnson Jr., the son of the great Cincinnati Bengal uh, receiver, Chad Johnson Sr. was out there. He sure. got an invite to the Future 50 event. He had a good day. Doesn't have his dad's little feet just yet. Yeah. But he's only a 2020 kid. Yeah, still young. He is still young. Uh, so I think Chad Johnson Jr., good kid, works hard. Taj Davis really impressed me. He had a, he had a good day. We love Taj. I like Taj a lot. I, I kind of thought of saw him as a deep threat, but he was making a lot of plays with his hands that I was really impressed by. You know who the, probably the most explosive receiver was, was Jamal Bell. Oh, that, no question. So he wasn't even, so I, I was watching the running backs, good group of running backs. I was kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, Jamal Bell's not here. I thought he'd come and, and do really well. And then... I'm hearing people talk about how great Bell looked. And I was like, I was just watching the running backs for 10 minutes. I didn't see him. He's no, he's over there with the receivers. Dude, he's got a different level speed. There's no question. Like a different level. Yeah. Like he is extremely fast. He could go like, he could go, if he trained, he could be like a 4'3", yeah. 10, 500 meter guy. And man, in this day and age of like spread offenses, man, he could, you could move him around all over the place. Love Jamal Bell. Saw him when he was a freshman at it, a seven-on-seven. That speed, what you're talking about, Greg, stood out to me. And uh, it seems like he's still on the same track. Uh, Hopefully, everything is good in the classroom and so on and so forth so he can go ahead and get to where he needs to go. Yep. Um, So you wanted to talk a little bit about running backs. Jordan Wilmore was good. Um, I think people are surprised how short he is. He's probably 5'8 on a good day. Yeah. He's one of those guys that you say he's short but not small. No, he ain't small. He's pushing 200 pounds. Yeah. So he's got a he's a load man. He he's got you know he he's he's got some feet, some wiggle. Cameron Davis, the Washington commit out of Upland. How did he look? He Cameron looked Davis. good. Yeah. Yeah. Teron Madison, I liked. It was oh, yeah. a good group. That's um, a good group. Sand Beast was out there. Daniel Jones. It's funny talking to Jonathan Perkins. We're kind of in a group together, and he's like talking to talking to Nathaniel. And he didn't know who he was. Yeah. He goes, "How old are you?" He goes, "16." He goes, "What grade are you in?" He's all 2020. He's like, "No." And I go, you never heard of the Sand Beast? <laughs> and he was like, you're a sophomore. And he's yeah. like, yep. I think he might actually be 15. Yeah, the Sand Beast. He might have said 15. Yeah. And Jay Perkins was kind of shaking his head going, no. Because the guy looks like a grown man. No, he does. I think he this measured is... out at 205 or something like that. I don't, oh, wow. I didn't get, they don't give out the heights and weights. But, dude, the yeah. guy looked good in the bag drills. Man, he can get downhill quick. And 
all that. Giles Jacks from up northern California. He goes to uh, Oakley High School in Freedom. Yeah. Smallish kid. Uh, kind of more of a scat back type, but, you know, probably one of the quicker running backs there. So, overall, really good looking group of running backs. Another receiver I wanted to mention was Drake London. Oh, I love him. Another guy who just came out of basketball. Yeah. And But long, athletic, 6'3", could be pushing 6'4". Okay, because I thought he was a little taller than he, that. He's long. Yeah, I mean, he, he might be 6'4". Long arms, and just if it's a 50-50 ball, he wins it every time. I like, love it. every single time. I love it. So, uh, yeah, his stock is really going up, too, right now. He's got football, basketball offers. I asked him, what he, what's he going to do? You could try to do both, and he still doesn't know. He might just have to pick one and go with that. Kind of the same thing Darren Jones told me a couple of weeks ago was sure. they don't want to do both. Yeah. Uh, Darren Jones didn't want to do both. He wants to just pick one and go with it. So with Drake, uh, he doesn't know. It's funny. He said he, can, he goes, I need to figure out my 10, my 10 official trips. And I go, you don't get 10, man. You get five. He goes, well, I got basketball and football. I go, it doesn't matter. You You're still just, get five. You could do track and field, soccer, volleyball. You get five yeah. total. Yeah. So <laughs> My 10 trips. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude. Take me on one of Everybody would be yeah, playing would be trying to double sport. No question. So Drake what, Lunning, good looking kid. What's his build like? Long. Yeah. That's like real lean. Yeah, really lean? Really, Not really lean. I mean, he's thicker than Huffman Dixon. He's thicker than Darren Jones. Okay. He's got more muscle on him. Yeah. Um, he's got a, probably a body similar. To, I mean, it's a basketball body. Okay. Kind of similar to Jackson Turner, but it's, it's a fluid it's yeah. a fluid-looking body, not stiff and bulky, yeah. but not skinny either. I really like him. It's a really good athletic body. Okay. Let's move along to, uh, what do we, we say? Quarterbacks? Quarterback? Quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, this is a good group, right? Yeah, I mean, Kay McNamara was there. It's my first time seeing him in person. Notre Dame commit. I liked him. Yeah. Real quick release, real good mechanically. Uh, Ryan Helensky. I talked to Jeff Blake, was the, with lead, lead, sure. uh, the lead quarterback coach yeah, for a while. So I talked to Jeff afterwards, and he loved Ryan Helensky. I'm like, did you realize that he got in at 4 in the morning from this, these trips? He had no idea, but he just he thought Ryan was, was the top guy in his group. Nice. Um, DJ and Bryce were out there. Yeah. Um, again, it was cool getting Jeff's read on, on those guys. Loved both, but saw mechanical things with both they need to fix. Sure. With DJ, it was the wind-up. Like, yeah. He needs to get that fixed. Like, not now, but right now. Yeah. You know, he's like, he brings it way over the top. And it's a little long. And he goes, he's got to get that fixed. And he goes, Bryce holds the ball really low. He does. And I even talked to talked to Craig Young about that. I go, hey, you know, does Bryce always hold the ball? I never noticed that he's holding the ball. Um, but I think Jeff said he videotaped it and showed him. Yeah. And uh, he was like, whoa. So, I mean, just bring the ball up, you know. Where it's comfortable, obviously, is where you want it. But right away, just like, DJ needs to, you know, clean that wind up up. And Bryce needs to bring the ball, ball placement up higher. Um, they like Shane Illensworth. Yeah. They, Jeff, like Shane Illensworth, as did I. Uh, made a ton of throws. Ryan Stevens is out there slinging it. Nice. He looked good. Shamanak quarterback. lefty. Yep. Um, but it's cool when the quarterbacks are good because then the rest of the camp is good, right? Receivers yeah. look good and DBs look good. I've been to camps where the quarterbacks are throwing more bounce passes than Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And you can't make a you play. You can't make a play. Yeah. You know, receivers now can't make a play and DBs can't make a play. So there's... A good group. I know I'm forgetting some quarterbacks that I wish I could uh, I could name out there. Ryan Zanelli was out there. Zanelli. Zanelli looked good. Um, from La Habra, the lefty. Yep. Hank Bachmeyer made made a late appearance. He got okay. there really late. But always good to see Hank. Uh, Hank, Hank can definitely spin it. Uh, it was funny. DJ threw a couple balls early that looked like me. And I was like, DJ. I go, you look like me there, and I wouldn't recruit me. Yeah. And he goes, so it's these Under Armour balls. And then he got his own football, and he was just ripping it. Yeah. Just ripping it. So I didn't. I've never really thrown an Under Armour ball before, but he wanted his, he wanted a Spalding. That's interesting. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, what do you say? We got linebackers. linebackers? I hear there was a kid from Chaminade who tore it up. Blake was good. And yeah. again, it was cool because, you know, Bud Elliott, I was like, he came over and goes, yeah, this, you know, this guy's really good, Blake Gonzalo. So I go, please tech, tweet that out. Yeah. I go, the kid needs some love. I go, it's really irritating to me. He's not getting the same amount of offers as other guys who aren't making any plays at all. Yeah. So I think in that group, you see Blake's just natural instinct, his ability to just kind of take proper angles, kind of just know, you know, kind of do the, the drills in slow motion. You see the running back and you're supposed to meet them. Yeah. He's always just, he just knows where he's supposed to be. Sure. I think he's a true inside linebacker. Love Mace Funa. You know who the revelation for a lot of people was, was Asa Turner from Carlsbad. Asa Turner. That guy's a freak. Really? So if you go watch his film, he's 6'4", 200. He plays receiver and safety. Right. But he worked out with the linebackers. Good. And this guy is legit. That's where Oregon is offering him. He has offers as a receiver, safety, and then one offer as a linebacker. Oregon sees him as a Troy Dye type. Yeah. After seeing, seeing him in person, man, he is a hyper-athletic kid with incredible length. 
just, and again, you watch, you look at that frame, and you're like, wow. And his coach was there, and he goes, dude, he's all the kid, has an unbelievable metabolism. He's a weight room warrior, but he can't get any, put any weight on yet. It'll come. Sure. But you look at him, and he is long arms, 200 pounds, just a stud. Super freaky. Super freaky. Wow. Yeah. So he was good. Jay Perk was solid. Um, trying to think who else. Was the young kid from... Um who transferred to modern day from Houston or wherever he transferred from? Was oh, he there? Bryson was there. He, yeah. was with the, he was with the DBs. Okay. Yeah, he was, that's not really his environment. Sure. You know, he's got he's a, a hitter. He's a, a hitter. He's a guy. downhill guy. I would yeah. be shocked if he gets moved down in the box at modern day. Okay. Uh, you know, he needs to work on kind of his hips, kind of loosening up, opening yeah, yeah. those things up a little, a little tight bit. Right little, little tightish. Uh, but Mace, man, Mace is always impressive, which is you see a guy who's 6'2. We say makes it probably six two. Yeah, six two. Two forty at least. Two forty five. You see those legs? You wouldn't expect him to do well in a seven on seven slash Under Armour. An open type field type deal. Yeah, yeah. But man, he he's really good, even yeah. in that environment. Yeah, really. Uh, I've loved Lace, Mace Funa since I saw him as a sophomore when he yeah. was at Santa Margarita. Yeah. I think that's where he I mean, was. We at. talked about him at Santa Margarita. Yeah, and. Um, this doesn't surprise me. I've seen him drop into the flat in the playoffs yeah. against Michigan Yale, pick one off and go for six. Yeah, no. I mean, he just looks – he's well-coached. He's disciplined. He plays sure. disciplined. Yeah. But he also has the natural ability and instincts to make plays, finish, be physical. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. College, college outside backer for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out. You know, who's a, who's a backer who kind of has his size and skill set at that, you know, 6'2", 250? Yeah. Is, that a, is he a – is he a 3-4 guy? Because most people want their outside backers to be longer in a 3-4, yeah. right? Is he a 4-3 outside guy? Could he play inside? He, I think he could play inside. I, I think I he's probably him, a better fit inside. I want to see him play inside at modern day this year. Yeah. If That'd he's, be fun. If he's married to being an outside, I think he's a 4-3 outside backer. Sure. He's a hangover backer playing over the tight end yep. on a pass rush, on a pass drop. That's who I think he is. I don't know if I want him covering a tight end down the field. I don't know if yeah. I, want, I want him to do that, but, you know, he's such a natural pass rusher. He is. You almost wonder, could he put on, you know, 20 more pounds and be a defensive end, a Dwight Freeney type? Well, that's what he used to play at Santa Margarita. But then would that slow him down? So that, that's the right. conundrum. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah. That's the conundrum for Con- me. Yeah, conundrum. You know, where does his body go? Does he stay where he's at? Is it going to naturally get bigger? Because, again, then there's, then there's stereotype that's kind of true. Polynesians tend to get bigger. No question. They tend to naturally, as they get older, they tend to just put some, put some size on. So no, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, considering if he's two, if he's two forty, Greg, then I'm two hundred. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you that right now, and that's that's not happening. All right, two hundred five. <laughs> no, buddy. Let me tell you, it's been a rough couple of years. But cane protein, you got to stop doing that stuff. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're Who are you up. telling, man? But Mace, is he going to stay two forty five, two fifty in three years? I don't think so. You have to assume no. Right, so he might have to end up putting his hand in the dirt. Don't be surprised if he ends up becoming a three technique and a four three defense yeah. before it's all said and done. Regardless, right? We know he's going to be a football player. He's yeah. going to he's going to do really well. Yeah, wherever no doubt he's about at. it. No doubt so, about it. Any other linebackers you want to touch on? Oh, man, I, again, that that kind of that's kind of the highlights for me. You know, Blake was good. I like Mace. Um, I want to go back to Blake really quickly. Yeah. Again, we're going back to that stigma. Mm-hmm. My man can't. We can't finish at the recruiting line, maybe because he's a white linebacker. Is that the reason why he may not be getting the type of love and attention um, that other guys who aren't making as many plays, who, yeah. doesn't, who don't show up well on film as Blake as Lottos does? Could that be a reason? It could be, but I I will say we see a lot of white linebackers. Right, we see a lot of those. A lot more white linebackers than say white corners. White corner. Yeah. A white running back, yeah, you know, getting the black quarterback thing. Thank God is is I think that's out of the way. That stigma's gone. I mean, we saw I, Dorian I Thompson. Rob, well, for me it is. It yeah, never, it never was there for me. But yeah. I'm saying we saw Dorian Thompson with ten offers before he started a varsity snap. Yeah. Does that happen ten years ago? No, but I think it's, it's I think I think it's seen through a different lens now. I don't yeah. think it's at the high school level. It's at the professional level. Where, yeah. you know, when I'm you, just talking about from a high school yeah, getting for, recruited to college level. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, see yeah, a no, lot of black quarterbacks yeah, getting no, no. recruited. Well, like listen, coaches want to keep their jobs. Yeah. So you, you, they know they need an athlete yeah. and a playmaker. But see, so you, almost, you, just, you just did it. I've seen black quarterbacks that weren't athletes. 
But it's that's I think that just comes out, right? Think about how natural that was. I, I, but I've seen it. Like, and, and what I meant like, to say, what, and I said it, yeah. was a playmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a playmaker. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I remember watching Jesse Scroggins in high school, Lakewood, and uh, his coach was saying, "You know, it's so funny. Like all these guys keep talking about, you know, athlete, athlete. We're he like, wasn't an athlete. He can't move. He wasn't. Yeah, I coached against him. He so, it's, but it's just like, but he was black. Yeah, but he therefore black. he's he an, must athlete. Be an athlete. Yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's very, very interesting. This is something we're gonna have to continue to, to touch on, GB. But we're gonna bring this baby it's to a, good a conversation to have. Yeah. Um, and that's, that about does it for the show, man. Is, we have an interview, Greg, at the end of this, don't we? Who's our interview on a Wednesday show? Do we have Ryan Helinski? I think we have. Or was that for Friday? That show? was Friday show. I think Who we, did we have, have for B Huff. We had B Huff talking pylon seven on seven top prospects, top recruits. Top performers. At the end of this, B Huff is coming on. So uh, we're going to take it to B Huff now. Here we go, GB. All right, now I'd like to bring in a good friend of the show. Uh, I feel like I want to take a trip to Stanford and get to the farm because I'm here with two goats GB and our guy, Brandon Huffman, 247 Sports. B Huff, how you doing? I'm good, Chief. How you doing? Doing all right, man. So I, I hear you took a nice little ride. Close to St. George, Utah. A little closer to St. George, Utah than it was to the strip in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas Boulevard. But uh, we're here to talk to you about Pylon 7 on 7, man. Yes, in beautiful, scenic Mesquite, Nevada. Mesquite, Nevada. That sounds good. So I got GP on. And uh, fireway GP, you know how we do it. I sure do. Be huff. How are you, sir? Always good to catch I'm, up with you. GB, I missed you. I can't wait to see you this next weekend. Tell me, I was going to say, man, I hope you missed me because it's the first time that I haven't been to the Pylon tournament since I've been off the off the student sports bandwagon here. Uh, was no. it good times out there still? It, it, it was. You know, we didn't do our traditional Friday pokey without you. We just couldn't. There, you can't do Friday night pokey without GB. It would have been sacrilegious it would have been unethical so we just completely passed on doing that because it just didn't feel right come on Huff. there was no pokey places where you're at mesquite right that's the real reason i hey, done it plenty can we just go with my me. story <laughs> hey let's just jump in here and talk talk about players and i guess the first question Huff, is why do you hate arizona football so much i don't understand why you have such a disdain for all things arizona judging by yeah. some of the tweets i saw you and blair what the heck you know, and it was funny, like we had a feature coming just a few minutes after I tweeted that story out where Steve Wolfhard was enough. talking. To, yeah, I mean, apparently a feature, and that's the thing, you know, and that's one thing I want to come off right off the bat. When we're going to these events, I don't care who wins the 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament. I don't care which team shines at the 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament. I don't care which programs have the most teams down there. We're looking for the top players whether they're on a great team that wins it, whether they're on a team that's terrible. I mean, one of the most heavily recruited players at the event, I think his team went 0-4. And, you know, he still has 20 to 30 college programs that are after him. So we're looking for the top college prospects when we're out at that event. Sometimes those two are synonymous. The teams that have the best players are often the teams that are winning. But more often than not, you see teams that they're just good 7-on-7 seven -seven teams. They have great seven-on-seven seven players, but that doesn't mean that they're all a bunch of guys getting heavily recruited. So when I wrote that story, and the, the funny thing was, it was a recruiting notebook. So I was writing about the guys that were getting recruited and heavily recruited, and that was all I did, and I threw in a mention about who won, knowing that Steve Wolfong had that feature cutting. So I didn't realize I was committing capital crime by doing so, but <laughs> I did. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, you tweeted out a, a little, uh, not a little, a beautiful, well-written recruiting notebook, and uh, it was an all-Arizona final, which, as you mentioned, shoot, we don't even stay for the final. I, I don't know what you guys did this year, but we've never stayed for the final because we're not you know, trying to report on who won. We're trying to watch players and evaluate, and uh, you got some Twitter grief of people saying, hey, you know, why aren't you talking about us? We won the whole tournament, so you kind of just explained what it's all about, and I got it too, Huff. You know, after the Under Armour event, parents were saying, what about this guy? I'm like, dude, I'm not, you know, NCSA. I'm not here to get your kid a scholarship. I'm not just writing about every single kid and hoping that if he gets mentioned, now it's going to help his recruitment. I, that's not the job. So I'm right there with you, Huff. 
Yeah, well, not only that, I mean, there's a, this event is so big. I mean, the very first year when there was 15 teams in, at UNLV in 2008, a little easier to watch every game when there's two games going on at a time. But when you've got literally 10 games going on at a time, 1,000 teams, I mean, you have games starting at 8 in the morning, and you have games not starting until 7.30 at night, 1,000 game, or 1,000 players and three sets of eyeballs on all those games, you know, you're, you're trying to see everybody as much as you can, and you just, you flat out can't. And so we, we can't do the do best it. we can with, with the eyes we've got. And that's good enough for me, man. So let, let's go position by position if we can and kind of break this down. Let's start with the quarterback position, the all-important quarterback position. Who was the, did you have a top guy, a top signal caller? And, uh, you know, if you, if you have a couple guys that you like, but who, who was out there that kind of impressed you quite a bit? Well, I think the guy that was probably, you know, in terms of the best college prospect of the group, you got to go to Jaden Daniels. Um, Ground Zero made it to, I think, the quarterfinals. They ran out of juice uh, against Florida Fire, uh, and Florida Fire ended up losing in the semifinals. Jaden just was, was dropping dimes all weekend. Uh, had his teammate Darren Jones playing with him this weekend and did a really good job distributing the ball to a number of different receivers over the course of the weekend. I really like what I saw from Jaden. Uh, Jacob Conover, his team made it to the finals. Uh, he's out of Chandler High School. State 48 made it to the finals. He had a great first day and then got his team to the finals. On the second day, you had Trenton Berger, uh, who led his team to the championship for the second year in a row. Um, you know, Spread the ball around to everybody as well. He also played defense, had some interceptions playing defense. Um, you know, He is one of those guys that a great seven-on-seven player. Not any. There's no offers yet. Some schools are looking at him, um, but he was fantastic out on the seven-on-seven seven circuit this weekend. Um, but now it's a matter of getting those offers to start to roll in. Sam Heward, who's the national freshman of the year this last season at Kennedy Catholic, uh, was probably the one guy you look at on the day and on the weekend and say, this kid is going to be special. I've been, I was at his very first high school start um, this year, and he just made some throws that just made you go, wow. Um, I would say that, you know, Michael Johnson Jr., there, there's still some things that he does that, you know, you, you see the athleticism, you, you know, you don't get to see him really excel in what he does best, and that's running the ball because he, there's no quarterbacks that are running in this. Um, but you, you just still see the physical attributes that have college coaches really excited about him. Um, Kale Millen, who's committed to Northwestern, uh, had, a, had some good moments as well. So there, there was quite a few quarterbacks, uh, not nearly the elite amount of quarterbacks that there's been in years past, but those are a couple of the guys that kind of jumped, uh, jumped out over the weekend. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if we saw a guy running the option at one of these seven-on-seven seven events? Just take off and run and, and not even understand why, why he got called back and why that was the flag. That would be, you kind of just mentioned Michael Johnson. That, that would be just, uh, that would make, that'd be kind of funny. I would love to see it, that, Huff. Absolutely. We actually did see some, some kind of looking, you know, they were like end-arounds, if you will, some sweeps that everybody would, they would always cause controversy. Some teams would use their... Their one run, uh, there would always be a blitz, and every time there was you know, the one team using their run or the one team using the blitz, you would have your huddle of like you do every year at that camp, and it's like just throw the running play and the blitz play out because nothing delays the game more than the explanation of that play. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. What about receivers? Receivers are usually a pretty big key, a pretty big aspect of seven-on-seven seven football. Who were the receivers that jumped out for you? Well, definitely Johnny Wilson. I, I think he was probably the top overall performer throughout the weekend up until the point where he got hurt. Um, you know, he, he's our top receiver out west in the 2020 class, and I don't think there's any denying that. He, he looks faster than he has. He's already big and physical and strong. Uh, right behind him in the west rankings in that class is G. Scott. And the other thing really separating those two right now is the fact that Johnny's probably got two inches on G and about 20, 25 pounds on him. A uh, real similar type of uh, speed there where they're not elite game breakers, but they do get enough separation. They do run good, pristine routes. Uh, they're both pretty physical, but Johnny's much more physical because of how much bigger he is than everybody. Um, and, you know, just watching him on day one, you know, it, it's scary to think there's still two more years of football that is going to be played by Johnny Wilson at the high school level. And how excited is Jaden Casey to have Michael Pittman on one side and Johnny Wilson for another year. And then he gets Mike, uh, Johnny Wilson for a third year uh, in 2019. But Johnny Wilson, I thought, was, was the best receiver there, probably the best player there. G. Scott 
was right there in the conversation as well. L.D. Bunkley Shelton uh, was really good. Emeka Egbuka, he was the kid uh, earlier who I mentioned off there, uh, played for air football out of Seattle. Um, he was playing on the air 15-under team. He was a freshman, played the FEU All-American game, played on the 15-U team, but then got called up to play on the main team and helped them on Sunday as well. Real smooth, silky smooth, probably the best freshman receiver in a very good group of freshman receivers in Washington in that 2021 class. So uh, a lot of good receivers um, that are all kind of the young variety that were at this event. What about Darren Jones? You kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier. You know, he was there playing with Ground Zero and Jaden Daniels. And the the thing that I'm kind of curious about, obviously he's 6'7", 6'8", but how does he handle you know, physicality. Because I know he went up against some, some pretty physical corners later on in that tournament, uh, especially you, you mentioned the Florida team. How does he handle the physicality? Obviously, everyone probably wanted to try to go up against him, see if they can press him at the line. Uh, how did he play? You know, he, when he wasn't going up against Joey Porter Jr., he actually played pretty well. And, you know, he has that size advantage that just he's a mismatch waiting to happen, and, and he's impossible to cover. Uh, I, I think what was I was more impressed with Joey Porter Jr. than I was discouraged by Darren Jones. I think it's, it speaks more to the skill set that Joey Porter Jr. has. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. played for a team out of Pennsylvania, Elevate, uh, obviously the son of former Pittsburgh Steeler All-Pro Joey Porter, who from Central California originally, played at Colorado State, and now is an assistant with the Steelers. Um, you know, Joey Porter would match up against him and essentially took him out. And that was a pretty entertaining game that went into overtime. Um, but, you know, he basically did not let Darren Jones get open. And Jaden Daniels kept looking to him, but he couldn't get him open because Joey Porter would just press him at the line of scrimmage and would not let him get off. And so that's the big thing for Darren Jones is he's got that length, he's got that size, he's just going to have to add some weight up top because he is still pretty slight, and so if he gets put up against a more physical, uh, a bigger type of corner like that, a guy who's probably more of a safety build, but he's playing corner like Joey Porter, that's going to be a little bit of a trouble spot for him because of his, his his skinniness, but if he is matched up against more of a lengthier corner, he's not going to have many issues because he still has great explosiveness he gets up off the ball he gets up into the end zone he's still that red zone target and and i thought overall aside from that game against porter darren jones still had a pretty solid weekend nice little segue let's go let's talk some dbs corner safety one more player to mention running back austin jones um yeah he's our top running back out west and i tell you what gb we always say you know how running backs are kind of ignored in seven on seven at times Austin Jones, Maurice Jones, Nathan Kenyon, he played on their team. He is the best back out west, and watching him in 7-on-7 is so much fun because he's so quick, he's so elusive, he does such a great job catching the ball, he's such a good receiver, um, and he makes guys miss, but also plays some defense, so we can talk about him on defense too. But him and Sean Dollars, I thought both played really well. I mean, uh, Mario Padilla, a little guy who uh, has an offer from Howard University, who was also on Tucson Turf, uh, helped his team win. Those three guys deserve mention, but I think Austin Jones, again, showed why we think he's the top back out west. Now, Huff, you jumped to go. We didn't even get the running backs yet. I was going to go, you know, receivers, <laughs> DBs, then maybe jump to right. You just jumped way ahead. So, Sorry. since you mentioned it, since you mentioned it, Austin Jones, Sean Dollars, kind of break those two guys down, similarities, differences. What makes you like Jones better than Dollars, at least at that event? I think it's just the quick burst that Austin Jones had. He's just a little bit quicker, a little bit more explosive, a little bit more dynamic. And frankly, I think what really separated it was that, you know, and part of it's because Ground Zero has such good secondary that there wasn't a need for Sean Dollars to play much defense. Austin Jones would play some defense, and his ability to close, like his closing speed was so impressive. And I remember Javon Holland t- telling me when we were at the Polynesian Bowl, you know, we, I kept asking him, you know, how good is Austin Jones? And he said, man, he is so dynamic. You should watch him play some defense. And, you know, I don't think much of it because I think he's, you know, he's a running back. And you watch him play defense and how quickly he closes, and you see him in the open field. And obviously they're not tackling seven on seven. Well, they're not supposed to be tackling there might be a play or two that they do but he was out in the open field running back from Florida Fire and the guy tried to make a juke on him and Austin Jones didn't even budge ends the play and so you just see he's got just a little bit tiny more athletic than Sean Dollars but Sean Dollars actually had a really good weekend and I mean he got a Georgia offer on Saturday as well Um, you know just another one of those backs that he's a top 100 back for a reason Uh, but Austin Jones just 
he was utilized a little bit more, and that's partly because, again, I think Ground Zero has so many weapons on offense and on defense that there was more needed out of Austin Jones. But I, I do think that Austin Jones just has just a little bit more. That's not to knock Sean Dollars at all. There's a reason that we have Austin Jones ranked ahead of him. That's good stuff, I, and I love guys that play both sides of the ball. It kind of shows, shows me a little, little extra dimension. Uh, I've always been a fan of that. So now let's go over to DBs. Uh, you know, I, I know you're a big fan of Jeremiah Cradell. You've already mentioned mm-hmm. Porter. Um, break down the top quarters and safeties that you saw out there. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. and Jeremiah Cradell. I mean, Porter Jr. was just kind of a revelation for me because it makes me realize how old I am that Joey Porter Jr. exists. And he's a high school kid, but it was my first time seeing him in person. Really liked him. Jeremiah Cradell, we've been watching Jeremiah for a couple years, it seems. And he's just one of those guys that, that doesn't get saved. He's one of those guys that he wants the best receiver. He wants to match up. He doesn't. You, you, you know, one of the things that I think impressed me, and we wrote about this on Saturday, is how many times, you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show, about the corners that are constantly grabbing and the corners that are constantly holding and how that becomes such a knack of what corners do in 7-on-7. At times, Jeremiah would like stand there with his hands tied behind his back almost to show I don't need to even use my hand in the when I'm backpedaling and then when I get downfield I'll pull my hand out and knock the ball away he would do that on occasion and he just you know he's got dog in him and I I love watching he plays with that fire he strides for stride with the receiver each and every time he's got tremendous ball skills he's got such a good backpedal he's so quick out of his break and just does such a great job closing on the ball and again, I thought he was dynamic this weekend. Akeem Demp, we had him as our number one composite, the number one composite corner in the country. He committed to Florida State, played for the Florida Fire. Um, didn't matter what kind of receiver he was going up against. Big receiver, smaller receiver. Uh, he had his way with whoever he went up against. Uh, Kelly Ringo, who was a kid that I actually saw when he was a freshman and played up here in Tacoma, Washington, and then moved down to Arizona. He's down at Saguaro High School, the state power in Arizona. Uh, his team made it to the championship game. He was terrific. Was probably the best DB in the 2020 class down there uh, you know length speed quickness completely taken away routes from receivers throughout the weekend uh, then another kid that I've seen up here in Washington Darian Chase is down in southern Washington he was another one of those dynamic two-way players was sco- scored a bunch of touchdowns as a receiver and then locked guys up playing DB I know he was on the all uh, tournament team last year uh, going into his junior year and then return to it again this year, another dynamic player. So those kind of five were the ones that really stood out with just some market, you know, memorable plays. Trenton Berger, again, the quarterback for uh, Tucson Turf, had a couple interceptions as well. So he had a great day kind of going on both sides of the ball. A great weekend going on both sides of the ball. But, yeah, you know, it was a lot of – I would say if there was one takeaway from this weekend is – how good the 2020 and 2021 classes in the West are going to be. I mean, there's something to say the 2019 class isn't strong. I know a lot of that talent was at the Under Armour event you were at, but the 2020 and 2021 classes in the West are going to be special good. Like, that. that's going to be really exciting to watch those classes because the youth was really on display this past weekend. Yeah, was, was Savelle Smalls out there, and, and then Fatui was out there. Was he playing tight end? I guess yeah, I, I believe, forgot to even mention those that. guys. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to even mention those guys. I mean, you have the number one defensive lineman in the West in 2019, a 299-pound defensive tackle playing tight end, and he moves pretty well. And one of the games <laughs> they played against Air, you have Savelle Smalls, who you know we think is the number one player in 2020 in the West, period and potentially one of the top players, if not the top player in 2020 in the country, playing tight end. I think he had two touchdown grabs in that game, had a couple diving catches, and tight end's like his third best position. He's a DN, he's an outside linebacker, and then he's a tight end. And I was talking to his coach, he's like, you know, if he hadn't had a club on his wrist for half the season, we would have used him at tight end the whole year. Um, and that's what we really saw him do a lot at 7-on-7 last year, playing tight end. But he is a weapon. He's got real, you know, natural hands. He's, he's got, he doesn't fight the ball. You see receivers that have a ton of offers that can't catch the ball as naturally as, as Savelle is. And, you know, he's got a lot of kind of dog in him, too. I mean, he, he loves to get out there and get after it. And he's not even really a true coverage linebacker. He's that guy, you just, hey, you get your one blitz a game, just use him and just have him run at the quarterback just to scare the heck out of the quarterback. Um, you know, but he's a he's a pass rusher. 
and he looked adequate in coverage. But it was fun watching him and Fatui both playing tight end, um, and and just seeing you know two elite defensive linemen want to get out there and knowing that they're going to draw eyeballs to their game. That Fatui even said that beforehand. I asked him, yeah, hey, who on your team should we watch besides you? And he said, everybody, come to our game and see my whole team. That's the kind of guys that those are. They want their games to be watched, and they're playing because they know eyeballs are going to be on their game, so that gives their teammates a chance to be seen. There's a lot of Hawaiian pride, Huff. It's, the, it's oh, yeah. about the Ohana, it's family, and I, I do definitely feel like the last couple of years we're starting to notice a lot more of the Hawaiian players. I'm not sure it's because they're – more of them now, or maybe we're just paying more attention to them. But, uh, no, that's, that's definitely the cool thing about the Hawaiian players is they want love, not just for them, but for everybody. Hey, line, linebackers. Um, yeah. Next, next to running back, usually don't have the, the biggest impact, but any, any backers that you saw that jumped out for you? Yeah, speaking of Hawaii, uh, Mananoa Tufono from Punahou, big kid. You know, he's a true inside backer. Um, his team had a, kind of rode the struggle bus all weekend. Uh, but, you know, he still looked the part and, and played the part. Just a nice kid uh, as well. And then Miki Ayu, who is terrific. He's a little undersized, and uh, he played for Hukalau Cafe, which is um, North Shore. Miki Ayu plays at Kahuku High School. He was probably my favorite linebacker there, just constantly making plays, dropping into coverage, knocking balls away, running with the running back. Physical kid. He's a little bit undersized, but that kind of kid that ends up, you know, getting over recruited because people look at him right off the bat and say, "Hey, why is this, you know, why is he not getting recruited?" And he ends up at a second level Pac-12 school and ends up with like 350 tackles. Uh, talking to one of his uncles over the weekend, they said, "Hey, you know, his his dad's six three and was a late bloomer, so there's still a chance that you know he grows a bit, but he's a football player." And then another kid who we got a chance to see, Terrence Famui, uh, who's out of Utah, leaves at Orem High School. Just transferred there from, I believe, Tim U. Uh, another kid, big kid, like another true inside backer, really good uh, in coverage, real physical kid. He played for the Vivent Outlaws, our buddy uh, Trey Ofahengue, uh, coaches that team and, and kind of was another one of those guys that just kind of pop on the scene. Every year there's always a couple kids from Utah that they come to this event and they're wearing their pink shirts and they're really standing out. And you're just like, dang, that kid's a football player. And knowing that they're even better in pads, and Fabui was that guy for me this year. Yeah, I love the Open Galway family. That's good stuff here about Trey. Well, Huff, we've got to wind this down, but I'm going to see you on Friday. and then, uh, Or is it Friday? I'm going to see you Saturday, right? See me on Saturday. Gonna, I wish it was Friday, we'll set up eat. on Saturday. Yeah, find a good place for us to eat. As, uh, that's, you're a five-star food finder, if I can use that term. And then, uh, shoot, next week, hopefully we can get you back on, break down the, the uh, San Francisco Nike camp, Nike opening regional. And, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. That's, that's good, man. I appreciate you coming on. Keith, you got any words for our guy? Hey, nothing for me. You know, B. Huff is always A1 golden over at the Transparent Truth. I appreciate that, guys. I look forward to seeing you this weekend, GB, and I'll see you both in uh, two weekends down in L.A. Yes, sir. All, All right, right you take care, B. Huff. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Huffman, the guru of GOAT 247 Sports. All right, we appreciate B. Huff for coming on, showing us love, and giving us the latest and greatest out from Pylon, our guy Baron Flannery, uh, Pylon 7-on-7 out in Mesquite, Nevada. Not Las Vegas, but Mesquite, Nevada. GB, um, any final takeaways from this show, from the interview with B. Huff? Um, you know what? Baron... Doing, doing work out there, man. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Doing good, good for him. You know, it's good to hear. I, I don't know if Huff said it on, on, on camera, on podcast. Oh, on mic. <laughs> but he said this is probably the most well-organized, most well-run event. It wasn't in Vegas. I saw Bear on Facebook say, you know what? I don't, parents were complaining. And I think because if I'm a parent, I'm going to go to Vegas. Yeah, right? sure. I want to go to the Strip. Of course. Not a Strip club, the, the Strip. Yeah. Make sure I Clean that up, that. please, coach. And Bear was like, hey, it's not, it's not about you. It's for the kids. It's about them. Right. That, that was Baron's message. So he's right. They moved it to Mesquite, which Huff said was the best facility. It was parking was great, the fields were great. Yeah. So, no props to Baron, man. I've known him for a long time. He had a vision a long time ago. He's the one who kind of got this whole seven on seven monster going, and now everyone's jumping on. But he still does it bigger. Yeah. Man, you know, over a hundred teams. He had a youth division. Yeah. So I can tell Huff was a little disappointed. No pokey. So hopefully this weekend, you know. Our boys from up Northern California, Isamu, Mori. Yeah. Those guys will take care of us. Yeah. Get us some sushi, 
some pokey for Huff. So you're going up this weekend? I'm going up this weekend for the uh, for the NorCal Nike Camp, Nike Opening Regional. I wasn't planning on going GB, but I might have to make a surprise appearance. I'm going to be there. Yeah. So if you're there, great. If not, we'll, we'll be back here next week to break it down. I'll talk to you about how well the food was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we got taken out. Uh, That's always half the battle is finding yeah. the best place to eat. Oh, absolutely. Huff is five-star, man. You can, we can, we can, Someone can drop us in the middle of Maryland. Oh, there's a really good taco place <laughs> right around the corner. I mean, you name the place. South Dakota. Dude, they got a great steak place. That's great. great. over here. You know what? That, yeah. that, that pays dividends down the road. You need a guy like that. You, there's no question you need a guy like that. So I guess what sticks out to me is going back just to that stigma, man. We got to get over that stigma. We got to believe our eyes, trust in what we see, and evaluate kids based on character, football ability, football intelligence, GB. Yeah, So sure. uh, I, I would love to be in the forefront of that because, uh, like you said, it I think it's still an issue at kind of going into the professional levels. Not much now in high school to college, but um, it still is something that needs to be talked about and a conversation still needs to be had. Sure. So, uh, we appreciate you joining us. We're going to bring this baby to a close. Tune in Friday for the Friday show. We have an unbelievable interview with four-star quarterback Ryan Bohelinski of Orange Lutheran. You're not going to want to miss it. He goes in-depth. Got a little choked up there, Keith. Got yeah, a little choked up yeah I one. did too. I did too, GB. Um, Ryan talks about his offers, his latest unofficial visits, his camp performances. He touches on his brother, yeah, GB. Yeah, Tyler. I mean, when in, I didn't want to go that in-deep because I didn't want to touch on a nerve. Yeah. But, I mean, he... Bat, talked about Tyler battling demons and, you know, what he went through and, you know, how Ryan's now dealing with it and pushing forward and wearing number three next year to honor Tyler. So yeah. that was that was phenomenal. I didn't expect all that, but uh, I, I love the whole Holinsky family. You know, Kel, I covered Kelly, so it's just an awesome family. Do not miss the interview Friday with Ryan Holinsky. I promise you it is a nice treat uh, for all you football fans out there who are pulling for him um, in this game of life. So we're going to bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town. He's on the Transparent Truth. And his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.